Hi folks and welcome to another podcast from the Racket Athlete Podcast. Today's guest is Jeff Rothschild, who is a registered dietitian with a master's degree in nutrition science and a board certified specialist in sports dietetics. He works with Olympians, triathletes who are competing at Kona and professional tennis players, as well as people trying to complete their first triathlon, feel better about their feel better, improve their energy levels, and learn how they should be eating to achieve their goals. Jeff is currently conducting his PhD research under the guidance of Dr. Dan Plews, Ironman AG World Champion at the Sports Performance Research Institute New Zealand in Auckland, which is looking at the effects of pre-exercise nutrition interventions on the adaptations to endurance training. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you. Happy to be here. So how is it for you today? Doing well, thanks. Doing, doing Beautiful well. winter here. Yeah. Good. All right. So we'll just get started then, Jeff. So how did your journey in sports nutrition actually begin? Uh, yeah, like most people, I think it was a hobby and an interest that then turned into a profession. Um, I had a previous career and, and just started, uh, enjoyed learning about nutrition and things like that and applying it to my own training and, and, um, I'm a, I have a tennis background. I, and also I do uh, endurance sports. And so the more I learned about it, the more interested I got and that kind of, um, made me want to go back to school, become a, get my master's degree, become a dietitian and kind of just progressed from there. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, so. And what, as we move on, what are the structures and foundations you use to plan your nutrition programs with your athletes or people that are looking to get healthier and feel a lot better and improve their energy levels? Yeah, I mean, I certainly would think about what the person's goals are and, and what they're currently doing. I definitely don't have a plan for someone when I first talk to them or, you know, waiting for them. Um, it's more of you kind of, you know, you talk to someone, you understand, again, their, their goals, and you find out what they're currently at. And there's usually, it's pretty clear to find a disconnect or a distance between where they are and where they want to be. It might be things that, there might be things that they, they know they should be doing and they're not, or maybe there's blind spots when it comes to someone's nutrition um, that they just, you know, they have no idea about. And, and why would they if, if they don't study this and, and they're not professional? So usually it's kind of, when I, when I first talk with someone, kind of see what they're doing, and at that point, it becomes pretty clear within the first you know, 20 or 30 minutes of chatting, uh, there's some maybe some gaps, some things that they're, they're leaving on the table, things they could be doing differently. And then that's where we start to build the program from. Um, so it's, it's, it's never that someone comes into something that's already been built for them. It's, it's we kind of really um, figure out what they need and, and work together to build something. Yeah. So and what would you say are the ways that you go about of working out those ways to build something together um yeah i mean you think of the big picture pillars so things like let's say protein so how much protein does someone need based on you know their body weight and their goals and things and to figure out let's say how much protein do they need how many meals are they typically eating in a day or how many how many should they so you figure out how to how to distribute that so you see okay are they getting appropriate amounts of protein and there's certainly a window a range for that usually 
a good starting point would be around uh, maybe 1.6 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. So if you take that and spread it across three, four, or five servings relatively evenly, um, that's kind of a, a good starting point. So, okay, is someone getting enough protein? And then we figure out how much carbohydrate do they need? And that is really dependent on the, the type of training they're doing, their goals, um, the, the type of training, the amount of training, the intensity, all these things can, can factor into that. So we figure out, okay, what's an appropriate carbohydrate intake? And then, you know, so that, that those are kind of those big pillars. We also look about, think about food timing. So that means relative to their exercise, so what they're eating before, during, and after exercise, but also relative to the time of day. So a lot of people have this like a very tiny breakfast, if, if anything, for breakfast, and then kind of a, a, a small lunch. And then from the afternoon, they start snacking and, and eat like an enormous dinner. That's typically not ideal. So yeah. we figure out what the food timing should look like. Again, even if someone didn't exercise, there's, there's some aspects of food timing that want to be considered. And then if someone is exercising, figure out when, when the training is, again, like if it's in the morning or, or, or on midday or in the evening or both, and then uh, build, build from there. Okay. Um, that's good points there. Um, and and how, how do you gauge what athletes need, you know, maybe, um, and you know, elite level and do you do some sort of testing with them, you know, for figuring out nutritional aspects and guidance? Yeah, sometimes not, not always. Um, I mean, there's certainly blood testing you can do. I don't do a whole lot of that. Um, there's also exercise testing. So let's say this, this might be more relevant in the case of an endurance athlete. We figure out, um, what are they burning during exercise, meaning how much fat and how much carbohydrate and, and the relative contributions. And there's kind of an expected or um, amounts like generally you should be burning more fat in lower intensities and you'll be burning less fat and more carbohydrate in as the exercise intensities increase. And so we can see what, what someone's uh, we call it substrate metabolism, what that looks like. And from there we can, we can um, you know, that can influence the decision choices. Do they need to do more, maybe low carbohydrate type of training? Maybe they, they're not burning, maybe they're not burning enough carbohydrates and they need to do fuel more carbs around training. So that could give us uh, a sense there. But uh, aside from that, it, that's not something I do with everyone. Um, again, it's about figuring out what are someone's goals and, and you know, what are the issues they might be having, and then how can you solve that or, or contribute to solving that with nutrition. So let's say for a racket sport athlete, maybe someone um, playing in tournaments is getting you know, fatigued or running out of gas over the, like, by the end of a second day or something like that. Yep. That might, that might in suggest they're not getting enough either calories overall or enough carbohydrate. So you might look at how to refuel either during, let's say a tennis match or after in between matches, um, you know, things like that. So again, it's, it's really kind of having this, um, you know, tool of, 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 well, I guess a chest of tools and you figure out, you know, what, what, what the person needs and then what the best tool for the job would be. Yep. Okay. Um, and what have you found as the main deficiencies in nutrition for athletes um, in your time on sports nutrition? And how would you go about sorting those sort of things? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I think it's, it, it definitely varies across people, but some, you know, not having enough carbohydrates actually is, is one um, common thing. If we're talking about someone that's training a lot, and it doesn't even necessarily mean, you know, they're at the elite level, but if someone is exercising, uh, training 10 to 15 hours per week, 
that's you know yeah. and and they're relatively fit i mean that that's a lot uh, uh that can be a lot of let's say carbohydrates they're going through for example and a lot of people are so carb phobic that they they drastically under fuel and maybe have you know tons of they might eat tons of nuts or something because they're just so afraid to eat carbohydrates that's something i see quite a lot yeah um, they might be eating a thousand calories a day in nuts just because they're afraid to have a little bit more carbohydrate whereas that might actually allow them to feel much better um that's that's a big one so so kind of just general day-to-day fueling making sure people are getting enough also the um the timing like i said relative to the time of day most people many people eat these small breakfasts, even if they're training in the morning maybe because they have to go to work or maybe they're just not hungry um but they're they're eating so uh, such a small percentage of their calories early in the day and such a large percentage of the calories late in the day which for a lot of different reasons is not ideal so that's another common one that i work with people to have taking some of those calories from later in the day and moving them up earlier in the day yeah okay and how would you interact with your athletes to get buy-in from them like sort of maybe straight away for your program so sort of how would you get them to commit to what you're offering yeah um i think it's explaining the rationale of what you're doing um like i said there's no plan for someone when they come in so it's 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 working together to figure figure something out. So I think when people understand what you're doing and why, um, not everyone. Some people want to just be told what to do, but I think I, I I like to explain you know what we're doing because it's not random. Um, and so when someone understands like the reason, let's say, let's just use an extreme example, eating eating a a, a pizza at midnight is is not a great idea. Um, no let's say when you understand why and what's happening, then it, it becomes easier to make better choices. I think same thing, let's say fueling during a, a, a tournament. Um, you know, when you understand your body needs, that's the time to really have, let's say more carbohydrate. Um, it's, it's easier to kind of, um, even if someone is reluctant when they understand, okay, I'm, I'm, this is how much I'm burning. This is what I need um, to replenish my body. Then it, it's, you know, it's, it again, just makes more sense. Yeah. Um, and what have you found to be the toughest part about teaching athletes how to get quality foods and proper hydration? Um, I think um, there's so many um, psychological, there's such a big psychological side. Yeah. Um, certainly not a specialist in eating disorders, but I think a lot of people that don't have eating disorders per se have disordered eating patterns. And so, like I said, with a, someone might have a thousand or I've seen even more like 1500 calories a day of nuts because they're so afraid of carbohydrate. So kind of getting over those type of hurdles yeah. um, or someone that's so afraid to add in a little bit of calories because they're afraid to gain any amount of weight. I mean, those, those kind of things. So it's a lot, a lot of the psychological side can tend to be the, the toughest and that um, explaining things, what we're doing and why rationally, like some, some people respond well to that. Some people certainly don't. So that's the challenge is trying to communicate maybe how to, if someone is doing something that's maybe not in their best interest, but they, have a psychological, well, let's say, roadblock. That 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 can be uh, a challenge. Okay, and what would you find? What do you find with when when you're talking about carbohydrates and people are scared of carbohydrates? What do you find that the reasons for that are that you're getting from people that you talk to? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just what people have been kind of had hammered into their heads. Maybe social media and just yeah. other people. Everyone, I mean. If you asked most people if, if carbs make you fat, let's say they, you know, most people probably would think that yes. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of that, yeah, condition, condition response. And, and certainly some people can eat too many carbohydrates, you know, there's no question, but yeah. um, 
the, the problem is people not understanding what, what is appropriate for them. Um, and I guess that goes in both directions. Some people thinking they need a lot more than they actually do. And then some people needing a lot more than they think they do or realize they do. So yeah, I'd say that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And what is your opinion on using supplements such as protein, creatine and vitamins and minerals? And why would you say they're good? And why would you say sometimes they might not be so useful? Yeah, I mean, generally, I think they can be useful. Those ones in particular, um, creatine is something that, that is a lot of times people are a little freaked out by that, but it's, it's one of the most uh, well-studied and effective supplements to, to improve uh, like athletic performance. Um, protein is not something that people need to supplement, but a lot of people don't get enough protein or at the right time, or maybe they're, they're going from the gym to, to work or you know whatever. So that, that, that can be kind of just add some convenience or a lot of times people don't want to get or, or struggle to get protein uh, around breakfast time just because they don't maybe want to eat certain foods. So making a smoothie or something, a protein powder can be really useful. Um, with protein and creatine, of course, the downside is, is making sure you have a, or the potential downside is, is making sure you have a reputable supplement uh, company that's maybe yep. checked, should be checked yep. by third parties and things like that, you know, so you're making sure what you're getting on the label is what's in the bottle and nothing more, nothing less. So that's kind of a whole separate discussion that goes with any vitamin or mineral or supplement. Um, but it's something that, you know, you need to be cautious of and that's where working with a practitioner can be really helpful. Short of that, there's, there are, um, third companies, uh, third party companies, uh, NSF certified for sport and informed sport informed choice, um, and BSCG. These are ones that these are companies and you can go to their website and you can, you can see a list of supplements that have been essentially checked by them to ensure that what's on the label is what's in there and, and it's accurate. So for anyone listening that that's interested, that's, that's always a good place to start for look, when looking for a supplement. For vitamins and minerals, um, I think they can be really useful. I think people don't need to supplement if they eat uh, an appropriate diet, but most people don't eat an appropriate diet. And even people that eat healthy by most people's standards. Um, you know, I usually ask then if, are they eating things like organ meats, like liver and oysters and, and, you know, certain really nutrient rich foods. Um, and most people aren't, if someone's eating, like I said, liver, let's say liver and oysters semi-regularly, I think, you know, you, that, that can go a long way towards, towards covering people, but most people, you know, aren't, aren't just aren't doing that. Um, so I think a vitamin and mineral supplement, I think it can be useful. Um, yeah, that's that's how I see it. Right. Okay. And what advice would you give to any athlete about to start a nutrition program? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess um, a nutrition. You know, nutrition's funny because it's why everyone kind of thinks they know it. You know, everyone kind of feels like an expert because everyone eats. Of course, that's not the case. Um, but um, everyone's already eating something, and so. I guess uh, when, when you say, I, I think I know what you mean when you say start a nutrition program, it's kind of something a little bit more tailored perhaps, but yeah. um, it's an interesting because it might not be, you know, your, your a nutrition program might not be that different from what you're already doing, but maybe it's, let's just say, uh, making sure you're, you're having a snack between after your workout or, or um, you know, there, there could be, it could be small, but there could be small but significant um, changes in a nutrition program, or it could be someone taking someone from like a high carb diet to a, a low carb diet or something, and it should be more drastic. So um, I, I guess it's hard to give uh, such a blanket advice in, in that um, context, but uh, I guess it's kind of making sure if you're working, uh, I should say when you're, if you're saying starting a nutrition program, I assume that means you're working with someone. So making sure you 
kind of trust this person and, and, and they have the, the, uh, your goals in mind and, and you have, you understand what you're doing and why, and that it's, um, in line with your goals. For example, I've, I've seen endurance athletes or people that say new, new to endurance sports or wanting to do triathlons and things and, and getting nutrition plans from, um, nutrition coaches, maybe not dietitians and p- people that work, let's say with bodybuilders, um, or, or, you know, the, the physique athletes, um, that, that I've seen terrible, um, terrible results from, or terrible um, consequences from if someone is training again, you know, doing endurance sports eight to, to 15 hours a week and, and eating like a bodybuilder, um, that it's just, uh, that, that's just a recipe for disaster. So being uh, mindful that what your plan is, is appropriate for what you're doing, I think is, is super important. Yep. Great. Um, can you talk us through now your research that you're currently doing with your PhD and what you're actually starting to find with your, uh, you know, your research? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I'm, I moved um, a little less than a year ago from Los Angeles, where I lived for the last 20 years or so, to Auckland, New Zealand. And yeah, my research is looking at basically what we eat before exercise and how it affects our training. So you, you, you know, this is generally for, for morning workout, morning exercise. So obviously people have the choice. You can wake up and just exercise without eating. You can eat um, you know, something with carbohydrates in it. You can eat something with low, a low carbohydrate breakfast. You can have some eggs. You can have a protein powder. Um, you know, there's, there's several options. And, you know, it's not really clear as much as people talk about fasted training and actually like about two thirds of endurance athletes. My, my, my research is more focused on endurance athletes, even though I have a background with tennis. This is really more focused, um, you know, just with endurance athletes. Yep. Um, about two thirds of people do some type of fasted training, meaning they, they exercise in the morning without eating or drinking anything or besides water. Um, but whether or not that's a good thing, people will tell you online it's, it's great or it's terrible. But the truth is actually there's like no evidence of if it's good or bad in trained people that are like actually trained, you know, training for something or, or I should say have a training background. Most studies, there's only a handful of studies um, and they're all in, let's say just generally active people like college students or untrained people and the response to training trained people and untrained people is totally different. So all that is a long way of saying, we really don't know how, what you eat before exercise affects your training adaptations over time. That means you do a workout, you know, one workout is nice. Of course it takes many workouts to get fitter, faster, stronger, et cetera. So if you, let's say don't eat before workouts one time, it probably doesn't really matter much. Um, But if, if you don't do, if you never eat before workouts, it might be beneficial but it actually might be harmful or, or might not be any different. But the thing is that I, that I think is so interesting is that we really don't know, again, in, in people that are trained, uh, you know, even reasonably trained, um, that would be. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so that that's, you know, a lot of times people, people have pretty strong opinions of whether fasted training, for example, is good or bad, but um, yeah. I can't say unequ- pretty unequivocally, we don't really know right now. Yeah. Um, where can people find your research once it's been done and um, this specifically, this specific topic? Yeah. Um, probably the best place to find stuff I'm doing is, is through my website and that's eatsleep.fit, um, www.eatsleep.fit. Um, and that's, uh, I have stuff that I'm doing. Uh, I write articles, um, just general nutrition things as well as more focused on my research. Um, my research papers are, are, um, there's a list of my research papers there. And of course you can see kind of the, the things I do when I work with people as a dietitian. 
Yep. And are you on any social media platforms, Jeff? Uh, yeah. Uh, fa- Facebook and, and Twitter. Um, actually, and Instagram. All, all three of those. Uh, Twitter is more I kind of just do my show my research. Instagram is kind of a mix of research and, and some of the practice and, and things I'm doing. And, and Facebook is also kind of a good way to get me. So if anyone wants to reach out and any of those um, are easy ways to find me. Great, Jeff. Well, thanks for coming on and it's been great talking to you. My pleasure. Appreciate you having me. No problem.